The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by High Echelon. You can find them at highechelloncpa.com. High Echelon PC is a nationwide CPA firm in Atlanta focused on a great client experience. High Echelon provides top quality work with total transparency, so clients always know exactly what they're getting. They believe accounting doesn't need to be complicated and that clients should always get the experience they deserve, which includes top-notch accounting, tax and payroll services, timely communication, complete data flow, and the best automation and security. Book a call or drop them a line at their website, highecheloncpa.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by Elemental Altitude Training Center. You can find them at elementalaltitude.com. Elemental Altitude is Atlanta's best and only altitude training facility. At Elemental Altitude's state-of-the-art indoor training center, they are capable of simulating elevation up to 24,000 feet. Training in the thinner air and lack of oxygen prompts an increase in red blood cells, meaning that more oxygen can be delivered to your working muscles on race day. Athletes undertaking all sorts of goals from rugged mountain climbs to flat sea level marathons to Ironman triathlons train in the hypoxic environment created at Elemental Altitude. I trained there several times myself ahead of my successful race at the London Marathon in 2022. In addition, Elemental Altitude hosts a variety of physiological testing such as sweat testing, blood lactate testing, VO2 max testing, and a variety of metabolic testing which can tell you your resting metabolic rate and the types and amounts of fuel you're burning at different training and racing intensities. Drop them a line at info at elementalaltitude.com if you have questions or you want to set up an appointment. Again, their website is elementalaltitude.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by Blue Pineapple Travel. You can find them at bluepineappletravel.com. Blue Pineapple Travel is an agency of experienced travel advisors who help you design the perfect trip. Blue Pineapple Travel advisors are all well-traveled and knowledgeable, and they will be your advocates from start to finish. They love to help people plan their travel, whether it's for a race, a family trip, a weekend getaway, or the trip of a lifetime. Their goal is to match you with the trip that you want. Relaxation or adventure, traveling solo or with a group inside the U.S. or abroad, Blue Pineapple Travel can plan exactly the trip that you want. Find them online at bluepineappletravel.com and see some of the great places that folks who have worked with Blue Pineapple Travel go on their Instagram, at bluepineappletravel. Finally, the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance. You can find them at itlcoaching.com. ITL Coaching and Performance's mission is to build a community of athletes set on reaching goals and serving the community. They have a passion for helping people achieve their goals and dreams. ITL coaches are real people with phones, emails, and the desire to spend time with you during your training. They are vested in ITL athletes. ITL takes a communal approach to coaching, so there's always someone available to answer questions and to help adjust the training schedule. An ITL coach will be glad to meet with you to chat about your goals and to find the best plan to help you meet those goals. Again, their website is itlcoaching.com. Thanks to all of our sponsors who help us bring you the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. Welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast brought to you by ITO Coaching Performance, Blue Pineapple Travel, High Echelon PC, and Elemental Altitude Training Centers. My name is George Darden. I'm an endurance athlete and coach here in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a father of twin boys and I'm a college professor. My name is Michelle Frank. I'm also an endurance athlete in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a mom to three girls and a CPA. We have with us a very special guest who we probably should have had you before Crystal, really, because you're a six-star finisher and we should have brought you on then, but I'm kind of glad we didn't because we now have finisher of the Antarctica Marathon, Crystal Andrews. Welcome to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. This is a dream come true. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Don't we know it? <laughs> so we're, we're in the dream fulfillment business, uh, Crystal. So, so glad we could uh, we could serve you. Um, uh, like I just said, you ran a marathon in Antarctica last month. And, and so we want to talk to you not only about your running career in general, but about that race in particular, because I dare say there's only a few people who have run a marathon on the southernmost continent. Um, Antarctica Marathon. It was on Wednesday, the 22nd of March. Um, how did this even come on your radar? So um, I registered for it uh, 
four years ago in 2019. Um, and the, the marathon, they only allow a hundred people a day onto the continent. Um, so they have to, you have to get on a waiting list. So we signed up, got on a waiting list and then COVID hit and they were not doing cruises. And so we had to wait an extra year or two. Um, so it came about after being signed up for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just one of those things that I, I like to run in cool places, Antarctica being especially cool hey. and cold. And um, so it was just something, it was, it was a bucket list item to check off. And so I signed up, waited my turn, and then the turn came up and we got to do it. What what inspired it? Uh, I mean, there's obviously like like okay, I get to run a marathon in Antarctica, but but was there something in particular about getting to run this race that kind of fired you up? Um, the fact that not a lot of people have done it that mm-hmm. is that is the the number one reason I like to do different things. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, I mentioned briefly to you, I want to finish my seven continent club by running the marathon on all seven continents. And I plan to finish that next year, which I did not plan until a couple of weeks ago when I found out that only 300 women have done that. Hmm. And I thought, oh, not a lot of people have done it. It's now on my list and it's now the goal. So, um, yeah, it was it was just something not a lot of people had done it. And I I like to have cool experiences. So that's it. Yeah, very good. Very good. So. I think one of the reasons why not a lot of people have done it is because it's not so easy to get to. And oh, it's horrible. It's horrible to get to. <laughs> not exactly. I mean, we're all from uh, local to Atlanta right now. We have the world's busiest airport, but you can't exactly just go to Hartsfield, get on a plane and fly to Antarctica. So what did that look like? What What did it take to get from Atlanta, Georgia to Antarctica? Um, and what did those logistics look like for you guys? Um, a lot of seasickness medication prescriptions, mostly. <laughs> uh, you cannot, you know, I always pride myself on living in Atlanta and being able to fly anywhere direct. And that is not the case going to Antarctica. And so from, An- or from Atlanta, we got on a plane and flew to Buenos Aires, Argentina, uh, spent a couple of days there uh, meeting with our with our marathon group. Um, and then from Argentina, Buenos Aires, we chartered a plane and flew down to Ushaya, which is the southernmost city in the world, um, also at the tip of Argentina. Um, and then we got to that small town, which is fantastic. And I wish I would have spent more time there. Um, backs up to the Andes Mountains. Looks like a little ski town. But from there, we got on a ship, which is where most ships leave from to go to Antarctica. Um, and you get on the ship and you cross the Drake Passage, which takes a day and a half. Um, it took us two and a half days oh, because gosh. as soon as we got on and you go through the Beagle Channel, which is about 150 miles, um, we got on and the captain comes over the announcements and says, there's a storm coming across Drake Passage, which is the roughest ocean in the world. And it's not safe to cross. And we are going to anchor right here in the channel. So that was really tough because you have 150 runners on a boat, type A personalities ready to go. We've been waiting (laughs) for four days between, you know, four years, but four days between Buenos Aires and Ushaya. And we get on the boat. We are excited. We do our emergency drill. And then we sit and wait for a day for this storm to pass. And so there's not a lot to do on the ship. Um, It's not a big cruise ship. It's a small ship. And we just, you know, just kind of wandered around running laps around the deck um, and waiting for the storm to pass. So once that storm passed, uh, we got started the next day and um, raised the anchor, went across the Drake Passage, um, which I said takes a day and a half to cross. The storms were still... The waters were still rough. So it was like 30 foot seas. Um, the wind was so crazy. You weren't allowed outside of on the decks because it wasn't safe. Um, so Antarctica, besides being the coldest planet or um, uh, continent, is also the windiest mm. continent. So anyway, took it, took that time, crossed, got across. And then a day and a half later, we saw land Antarctica and we got all excited 
And then they told us, sorry, the weather is too bad. We cannot <laughs> take the Zodiacs onto shore to set up for the race. Hmm. So, um, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot involved. Um, this trip to Antarctica is, it's an adventure. Um, it's an exploration. It is not a luxury cruise. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of unexpected things that can come up, but so we got there, um, waited an extra day because there's no ports or docks for the boat, for the ship to dock in. So you have to wait until the wind dies down and get into the Zodiac to take it onto shore. Mm -hmm. So, um, we waited the next day, the race team was able to get on land set up. And then half of us on the boat were able to run that day. So that's, that's what it took to get there. <laughs> so you mentioned, um, like a, the group of people that you were with, was this like a tour? Was it, I mean, obviously it's an organized trip. You're probably not taking, you know, uh, just a carnival cruise to Antarctica to run a marathon, <laughs> but how did you figure out what group you wanted to go with? Is there even more than one option? Like, what did that look like for you guys? So, um, we signed up with marathon tours, which, um, is the tour group that does trips all over. And I had chosen them, um, because I'd used them for other marathons in different parts of the world. And it was a good experience. Um, so we, signed up with them and everybody on the boat, this, that, that was chartered on this ship was a runner. Um, they may not have been doing the marathon, but they were at least a partner of someone doing the marathon or, um, they were, there were a lot of people doing the half marathon as well because there were both options. Um, okay. so everybody on the boat, that was the focus. It wasn't just people doing a cruise to Antarctica because, we had to be so focused on getting in the marathon because the weather was such a factor. Um, it, you know, if it would have been a group not doing the marathon, they probably would have left the land and cruised to some more Southern islands that they could have done some sightseeing, but not gotten off on to run. Mm -hmm. um, so it was, it had to be the focus. Um, speaking of the weather, because only half of us could get off and run one day the other half of the boat that we're also planning to run had to wait until the next day to run. And we weren't sure the weather was going to be great for that next group. And so there was a lot of anxiety over, do I get to run today? Do I have to wait tomorrow? Am I not going to have an opportunity? You know, I've come so far and waited so long and is this not going to happen? So it was definitely just a group of runners and that had to be the focus or it would not have happened. So Dude. that's too much anxiety. Yeah, yeah I was <laughs> just, was that's far anxiety. too much anxiety for, for, for Michelle. I mean, you do have to kind of take it as it comes, I imagine, right? You just have to kind of yeah. roll with it because I mean, what do you, yeah. there's nothing you can do about the weather. Um, right. So, so that, that makes me think of two questions. Number one, did the other half get to run? They did. So they got to run the next day. Um, and it, it was hard when you, so we, Adam and I got to run the first day. Um, and it's hard to come back on the ship and you are so overwhelmed with, you're excited that you got to do it and you finished and it was something so hard and you feel so accomplished, but you really can't celebrate mm. because there's still half of this group of people that you've made friends with. You have the same goal and they haven't done it yet. And they're not sure they get to do it. Okay. And so, um, yes, we, we did get to go in the first group. We got it done and the other group did get it done, but there was. A lot of anxiety, Michelle. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and so so that, that leads me to my second question then. So when you book this trip with Marathon Tours, um, is there any sort of guarantee that you're going to get to do it? I mean, I understand that they, they, they can't say you're going to get to do it on Monday the 20th because they have to to pay attention to the weather and they have to, to be flexible about when they can can actually dock and that sort of thing. But do they give you any sort of guarantee that we're going to go and we're going to be gone until you run a marathon on Antarctica and then we're going to come back? Any sort of guarantee no. at all? No, none whatsoever. Um, in fact, there have been years past where people did not get to do the marathon or they did part of the marathon on land and the weather got so bad that they came back and ran um, laps around the deck. I've, oh, I've, seen, video, I've, I've seen videos of people doing laps around yeah. the deck. Yeah. But there is no guarantee. If you think about it, um, I mean, obviously the weather may not change, but you've got nine days 
on a ship with no access to getting food or fuel anywhere else for people. And so, yeah, you can't just stay out there until you've, you're, you have to stay on, you have to be back by a certain time. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we were and, lucky. <laughs> and, and, and I imagine, I, I presume that they, they try and plan it in such a way like that they maximize the possibilities, right? That March must be a, a good time of year to try this or something like that, right? Yes, yes. We were the very last um, ship to go out to Antarctica because where we, the day after the marathons, when we sort of did some cruising around and sightseeing, the water was already starting to turn to ice. Um, and so the weather, you know, they're, they're in the Southern hemisphere. So it's their summertime right now, but um, we were towards the end of the season and it had to be set up that way because when we had first gotten on this ship, um, it was set, the trip was set up for February, which is more the middle of their summer. Uh, but the ship, we got a new ship. We got lucky to get a new ship that was built in 2021, but it pushed out the travel dates. So we were at the very end of their summer season, um, but it, that's the end of it because it was, the water was getting icy. Mm. So, yeah. yeah. And then that's pretty, the water was getting icy. I, I just want to juxtapose that with what you said a few minutes ago about how Antarctica is cool. I feel like cool <laughs> was not the appropriate <laughs> term. I feel like we can use much more descriptive language to describe the temperature <laughs> in Antarctica. Um, no, but seriously, what was the course like? So you said that once the boat got in, then obviously the marathon tours or the boat staff or whomever got off to set up the course. So what did that entail? And what, like, what were you running on? I, I don't know why, but it doesn't seem to me like you're running on like, is there asphalt in Antarctica? Is yeah, 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 yeah. Like, what there, is there, There's definitely not 26.2 miles of <laughs> no. asphalt, I would imagine, right? <laughs> there, there are no roads. Um, when, when we were running, I said, if you were to tell me right now, now that I was on Mars, I would absolutely believe it. Um, so the spot where we ran, uh, St. George Island, is the spot where the um, Russian research, scientific research center is, and the Chilean scientific research center and the Chinese. So you run between those, the Chinese actually blocked their access. So we just ran back and forth. Of course they did. <laughs> Russia and Chile um, science centers. And so it's it's not a road, but it's, you could get a, um, a four wheeler on it. And that's what they, what the team uses to, um, to, to set up and to make sure everybody's safe. Uh, so we did six loops of uh, between the two stations and uh, it's like 2.2 miles out, 2.2 miles back, something about that. Um, and you turn around and come back and the, the weather there was low thirties. So it was actually- That's not bad. It wasn't bad, but what that did is it made the ground pretty um, mushy, and you oh. were you were in mud. Um, it was it was really a lot of elevation. I think it was around four thousand feet of climbing. Oh wow! For for the so you were up and down, up and down, up and down, sliding. Um, but there was a lot of rock around. Um, it was just, it looked it looked like Mars. Yeah, hmm. it looked like Mars. Hmm. So. And, and there's, and there's 50 people running. And so, and because you're going out and back and out and back, you're seeing everybody the entire time. Right. Yes. Did they, did they have the, this feels like a ridiculous question to ask. Did they have an aid station set up for you? <laughs> so No, that's a great, that's a great question. And everybody asked it. So um, as far as aid stations go, well, I'll say this conservation for Antarctica is number one priority over everything. So you have you have to wear the waterproof boots that they give you because you when you come in from the zodiac um, and on to land you can't you have to get in the water in your waterproof boots walk up and then um, you have a bag with your running shoes that you're going to change into but set up is a tarp that they have put down um, and everything has been for lack of a better word sanitized and they put the tarp down you cannot set your bag, you, if you have a camera bag, a shoe bag, a race bag, nutrition bag, anything, you cannot set it outside of the tarp that they put down because 
the bottom of your camera bag may have some foreign debris on it that would not work with the ecosystem in Antarctica. So um, as far as an aid station, they had a tarp set up and you brought your water bottle or whatever you wanted for your, for your aid station and you set it on the tarp. Okay. And when you would turn around, you would have access to the turnaround points you're doing loops. You would have access to that tarp with your, with your stuff on it. You weren't allowed to um, have any, like you can't carry a goo packet with you because you're not allowed to have any plastic because if you were to tear off the top of that goo packet and it went flying, because remember you're running in 30 to 50 mile an hour wind, um, you, it could blow away. So you're not allowed to have any of that. You could fill a bottle with goo um, and, and have that at the aid station. But the problem with that is it froze. Um, so you're, <laughs> you're trying, you're trying to squeeze it out. So I just had some drinks, um, my water bottle with liquid in it. Uh, but as far as like that, even, you know, they said you can't even when you're running, don't spit, you can't do a snot rocket. Um, there is no foreign debris allowed. And if, you know, a Russian scientist were to see you stop and do some bodily fluid on the side, um, they could call off the entire race and it would end it for everyone. So very, very strict on conservation. So as far as aid stations and all that, um, they did set up a, a poll with the Antarctica Marathon. Um, there was a turnaround point at the end um, with somebody out there. And so and there, were mi and there were mile markers, you said, right? There were mar mile markers. Yes. Okay. And so so there were there were actually 26 mile markers and also um, 13 additional for the half marathon. Mm -hmm. um, and they sell those as part of the Oceanites conservation. And that is one of the biggest fundraisers. It is the biggest fundraiser for the Oceanites Foundation for um anything that they do are those are those mile markers that they sell so hmm. it's a good thing yes hmm. Hmm. Yep. and you got one right and we got one yes <laughs> yeah yes so yeah. you had to get one of course you got one of course, of course I, I, one. I, I say of course you got one but 100 people ran it and there's only what 39 of them so so it yeah. actually isn't quite of course right yeah there's a few um there's a few other random signs that look like the mile markers that they create, like one says penguin crossing, mm -hmm. um, you know, they've got a few others. And then after the marathon, um, even though I had purchased mine ahead of time after the marathon, all the signs that weren't pre purchased, um, they do an auction on the ship and they, they go for, so you should have brought it ahead of time because they go for a lot of money. It's something that people want after the experience, but it all goes to a good cause. So it was, it was great. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Crystal, since it was a loop or an out and back, what was the camaraderie like among the people that were running when you guys were running? Like, was it a yeah. plus, plus you had there... been on the boat together for so many yeah. days I and mean, you've <laughs> been through something, right? I'm saying like, was it, I can imagine like a, I can imagine both ends of it, like a 2018 Boston marathon where everybody is miserable and freezing and just fighting through to get you know, to the finish line, but I can also imagine like a super festive Thanksgiving day situation in Atlanta where everybody's happy to be there and <laughs> saying hi to people on the sidelines. And I know there weren't people on the sideline, but what was it like among the people while you were actually running? So, um, the camaraderie is definitely, that was definitely something, a word you could use to describe it. Um, not celebration because the conditions were so tough. Um, it was so windy. You really did worry about getting blown over. Um, and you were so covered. Um, I didn't recognize everybody, even though I'd been with them for days because you're, you know, you're covered, covering your head. Some people were wearing goggles. Um, so some people didn't recognize, sure. but you were so excited for everybody out there. And you, you know, you kind of kept up with how many loops or at least how many times, you know, you'd seen them. Um, I ran it with Adam. And so each of our, each time he passed me, we, stopped and hugged and kissed um so but that was more that was that's, more a, that's a lot of stopping and hugging and kissing that was more than i did with the other guests on the ship um, <laughs> that's good but, <laughs> that's probably a good thing yeah but we definitely were you know you could give a thumbs up or something you could hardly you couldn't really hear much because the wind was so strong um you couldn't hear a lot but Definitely camaraderie and everybody just, oh, you wanted it so bad for everybody. Sadly, there were 
you know, there's a time cut off for the race and um, not a lot, not a lot. And everybody did not make their goal. Um, some people had to, who were planning to do the marathon and it was their seventh continent. Um, they had to drop down to the half because they just didn't, didn't make the time cut off. Um, and you know, the conditions were pretty hilly. Some people, it just, it was a tough race. So you wanted everybody to do it so bad because you think, well, I knew I am never crossing the Drake passage again, mm -hmm. and I've got to do it this time. So mm -hmm. it is a common goal and that brought everybody together, but tough conditions. Mm -hmm. So, yep. Mm -hmm. Pretty cool. Yeah. What were you doing the next day while other people were running? What did you do during that time? So, um, we actually went back out, um, as long as there weren't a hundred people, which it, because it had been divided and split up, there weren't a hundred people. So Adam and I went, took the Zodiac back after the racers had started and, um, cheered them on a little bit. Um, Adam in true Adam fashion went out a little over a mile and just pushed people and told them to keep going and cheered oh them on. And, um, it was nice. uh, several That's people awesome. made the comment that that was, that was the thing that, that helped them the most. And they were so grateful for it. So I'm proud of him for doing that. I stayed near the, near the start <laughs> line. <laughs> was he cold when he did that? Like, was he cold? They give you these parkas and it's not something you want to run in, but when you're out there just standing and you're in a parka and, and waterproof boots and you have you're three okay. pairs of pants on, yeah. it was okay. So yeah, yeah, okay. it wasn't too bad. And the next day, our day was windier, but we had beautiful blue skies and sunshine the second day of runners, it was little gray skies, a little drizzly, um, but not as strong of wind. So, you know, you, everybody got there, pick your poison. Mm -hmm. So Right, right. So, so if you told me, or you did tell me that you ran a, a marathon in Antarctica, I, I wouldn't necessarily think about the wind and I definitely wouldn't think about 40,000 feet of elevation gain, right? Um, I wouldn't think about the mud and sliding around and stuff like that. I would think about it being cold. Yeah. Um, and, and so I, 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 I assume you did some research prior to, to going down there and you looked into these conditions and that sort of thing, but, but were you prepared for this sort of challenge? Um, and, and, and did you, okay. And so, and so that was my next question. Then did you prepare for that specifically? So I will tell you, I did not, um, I mean, I, I, I found a couple of race reports online and I read people's things. And so I, I'd, I'd heard about the wind. Um, but as far as ex what I got there and what I saw, it was not what I expected. It was not at all. I didn't expect to make, you know, think that it looked like I was on the moon or Mars with the Rocky, you know, the, the elevation, there were things that were not what I expected. Um, I knew it would be cold, but I had so many layers on, hmm. um, that I say I have never dressed so appropriately for a race in my life as I did for Antarctica, because I never was cold and I never was hot. I just had mm. everything I owned on and I was truly comfortable the mm. whole time. So, uh, whereas other races where, you know, it's going to warm up and you start cold. Um, this one, I just, I was comfortable the whole time. So I'm happy with that, but it, I don't know how you prepare for what we saw there because it's just, I guess I didn't do enough research to find out, but it, it worked out. So it's fine. But, but yeah. even if you, I mean, but to your point, what you just said, even if you did, I mean, how are you going to do that? Like, you, yeah. how, you, oh, let me go run in 40 degree or 40 mile per hour winds. I mean, right. how do you actually prepare for that? Let me, let me do a lot of runs with goggles on. I mean, you know, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Se se seems like even if you knew it precisely what the conditions were going to be, which you don't, because as you just said, it varied over the it course changes. of those two days, um, yeah. uh, actually replicating them in training. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, an adventure. It's definitely yeah. an adventure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So like, despite the plethora of challenges, what were some of the highlights? I know we saw, I guess, once you guys got back to cell service or internet, we saw awesome pictures of penguins. We saw an yeah. epic polar plunge moment with you guys. What were, <laughs> what were now that you're a few weeks out, like what were like the highlights of the experience? Um, we made some amazing friendships, the bond. I mean, we, I still communicate regularly with people that we met from all over the world and we're all planning, okay, what are we doing next year? So um, that, 
time together through those conditions, um, the friendships is, is great. But as far as like a trip to Antarctica, uh, the penguins loved the penguins. They were everywhere. <laughs> they were absolutely everywhere, swimming next to you in the boat. And um, they were so close to us that, you know, they're not hunted there. So I guess they're just used to, they're very friendly. So the penguins was a highlight. Um, we even saw a whale, uh, not oh, as friendly, so cool. but we did see a whale. Um, so the wildlife looking out at the, the icebergs don't seem real. Like at that, looking out at those is when I realized how lucky I was and how grateful I was to be there because it's just amazing to see. So um, seeing that part of the world was a real highlight. Um, the polar plunge was great just because I can say I did it. Um, I know we saw, uh, you mentioned the video and we know that Adam tried to push me out of the way and jump in yeah. front of me. We should, uh, if we had podcast he didn't try notes, to, he did. Right. If we had podcast show notes, which we don't, I guess we, that's another topic, but I would definitely put a link to the video of you guys Absolutely. plunging at the same time. And Adam literally pushed, like, it looks like he pushed you out of the way to get out first. Okay. And it was like this moment of, oh my gosh, he is like, what <laughs> he, about Crystal? <laughs> he, he was out of the water so fast. I had to actually go back and watch the video again to make sure he actually went into the water. Jumped in. It was, yes. it was like, it was like literally he had bounced off the surface onto the ladder. Um. <laughs> well, he's, he's super skinny. He wouldn't survive very long in that water. So he had to get out quickly. <laughs> so, so very good. Very good. And, and of course the polar plunge was, is, is literally jumping off the side of the boat into the water uh yes. there in antarctica how many people of the 100 that were on the boat with you that were there to do the marathon and the half marathon actually did the polar plunge you know i didn't i would say probably half i'd say probably about 50 people did it um everybody didn't do it and to be completely honest we were the next to the last people to jump in because we were so cold and we're like nope we're not doing it nope and so we just sat up in the lounge drinking our hot tea and coffee um, and watched from the, from the window, other people jumping in yeah. um, and we're like, wow, that is great for them. And as much as I had planned mentally that I was going to do it, cause I knew that was an activity we could do. I was like, there's no way I'm just too cold. Mm -hmm. But um, we sat up there long enough, warmed up, you know, they had music playing, people were doing shots of vodka. It was, it was a party and we are, then we gave into peer pressure because some of the ones who had jumped <laughs> came up and they're like, you gotta do this. Yeah. So we changed, went down to the bottom deck and uh, jumped in right before the end and are so happy that we did it. It, it was it was fun and it was cold, but you actually it was really refreshing. I feel like, it, you know, the polar plunge, cold plunge after you run it, it made you feel better. Right so, right yeah, it's, so, it's like taking an ice bath, like an instant ice bath. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yes. No shots yeah, we, of vodka before. <laughs> No, well, maybe you could have. I don't know. I don't know. But they did shout the vodka. And one, I, this is the funny part. One guy, because um, you could choose to jump in in your bathing suit or shorts or whatever. One guy chose to jump in and absolutely nothing, not a stitch of <laughs> anything, anything. That's a, that's, that's what my dad did back in the day. Oh Are my god! Yeah, yeah, crazy dad. Then yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Um, that's the uh, so. This is maybe a good segue into to what I want to talk about next, but I, I think it's interesting you say that 50% of um, only 50 out of the 100, roughly half the people actually did it. Um, mm -hmm. Because to me, and and granted, this is from my warm place here in Metro Atlanta, um, <laughs> that that I can say this. And I and I appreciate your explaining how just like in the moment, you're just cold and you just, the, the prospect of becoming even colder is not at all enticing. I totally get that. And I appreciate you yeah. saying that. But to me, I would have assumed that like literally every person on the boat did it. And the reason why is because it seems like everybody must have an attitude kind of similar to yours that that they're out there like, you know, having this unique and amazing experience. And and this is part of like really getting the most out of the experience. Right. Um, yes. But also think about it in this way. Um now that I'm older, when I was younger, weekends were like, I got to have fun. Everybody's going to the club. I got to go out and party. And now that I'm older, I'm like, I don't want to be tired. I'm <laughs> too tired. And that's kind of how, how this was is, 
yeah, it's an amazing experience, but I'm cold. I'm tired. I, you know, so I think it was, it was part of being old and you're like, I don't need to have that experience, but, but then I'm, yeah, I'm glad we did. So good. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Well, and so, so the segue then is is just sort of talk about the, the, the general outlook of people on the boat. Were were, were they, were they kind of like you? Um, Were they people who are trying to to do experiences that other people don't get to do? I mean, did you, besides having running in common, did you find that these were your people? George, I am such a slacker compared to everyone on that boat. <laughs> I am not kidding. So when we were in Atlanta at the airport getting on the plane to Buenos Aires, the first woman that I met is 70-year-old Sylvia, who this Antarctica was her 100th marathon. Oh my gosh. And she had her little banner that she was going to, you know, bring along for her 100th marathon. And, um, absolutely amazing people, people that are just so badass. And, um, yeah, I truly felt like a slack. And then I, you know, there were several people like that, but specifically Sylvia, who also ran the Boston marathon last week after doing Antarctica (laughs) and all that, she ran in under four hours. She's 70 years old. So that was, that was the general crew of the boat. People who are just so badass and do this kind of stuff all the time. And I thought, oh my God, I have to step up my game. Hmm. So, um, but just amazing people doing amazing things. Uh, yes, yes. It was a lot. I mean, you had to be able to do that. And, you know, a lot of people were coming. There were a lot of single people coming by themselves that were paired up with a roommate or one when they got there. But to go on a trip like this by yourself. Hmm. Um, yes, yeah, so many people were adventurous and tough. And uh, just amazing. So that's why one of the highlights was the friends that I made. Very good. So you said that you're already starting to think about next year. Is there a link between like being so inspired by these adventurous people and then now saying, okay, I'm going to go ahead and plan the last three? Yes. Um. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Because, you know, when it's talking with them, you know, like Sylvia that I just mentioned, she's run 100 marathons. Well, she didn't even start running until she was in her 40s. You know, she does three or four marathons a year, whatever it is. Um, and the, the, the number of adventures that, that a lot of these people go on, I'm like, heck, I can do three next year. Um, (laughs) you know, so, so yes, yes, I was inspired by that. Um, and, and it is, it was inspiring and that's what helped me make my plans for next year. Yes. So, so, so tell us about next year then. Well, the goal is, um, so I need to do, to, to finish running all seven continents, I need to do Australia, South America, and Africa. So Sydney Marathon is in September, which so is my birthday. So I think that's a really <laughs> good trip for next year. And um, as the sixth star, um, they're talking about the seventh star coming and the one mm-hmm. that's probably the greatest chance of that happening is Sydney. Mm-hmm. And so I think it'd be nice to do that. But anyway, so Sydney in September, mm-hmm. um, there's a marathon in Africa that I want to do in October and then Patagonia in December. Oh, wow. So, um, that, that would cover me and I'd be done before the end of the year. So, right. yeah. Very good. What, what is, you, so, so you seem kind of cagey about the marathon in Africa you want to do, uh, which one's that? Um, so I want to do the big five. I think mm-hmm. that'd be, yeah, I've seen that, pretty, but I'm not a hundred percent sure that's the one I'm going to do. So Africa may change a little bit, Sydney and Patagonia. I'm set. Africa mm-hmm. may change. Yeah. Right. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. Is, Very good. Is there a similar motivation from chasing the six star six world marathon majors to a continent? a marathon on every continent. Is it similar? Is it different? Like what, what drives your motivation in accomplishing each of those? So I, I feel they're, they may be a little bit different than other people's motivation. Um, a lot of the six star finishers have maybe a certain time goal to do it in under, you know, to be elite, um, competitive, yeah, competitive, competitive. That's the word. Um, And I just wanted, that was not my, it was just something different that not everybody had done. So that was my motivation behind it. And I love to travel. And so my motivation behind the, the seven continents, um, I think that fits in well with, with 
with what my motivation is too. So yeah. Do you think you could like enjoy Patagonia a little bit more if you didn't tax yourself with a marathon? Like how do you, <laughs> well, <laughs> like yeah. I totally understand the, <laughs> I love to travel and I want to run a marathon on each continent, but like, how do you get the most out of each of those? I don't feel there's a better way to see a city. I say city, it's not city. There's not a better way to see a place than to run it. That is such um, a good point. Yeah. yeah. And, and the energy at a start line is the reason I love racing. And so the people, you know, you'll, I'll meet a lot of people local and yeah, no, I love, I love the marathon. So I, that to me is enjoyment. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Good answer. Yeah. Good answer. I appreciate that. Um, you know, I, I I feel obliged to mention that Michelle, you and I both have run a marathon that Crystal has not, um, and it's one that she actually wants to run, the Los Angeles Marathon. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Why do you want to run that, Crystal? Why? Because George has the medal and I do not. <laughs> oh, I do. I have a medal from LA for you if you want it. It's right up here. Here we go, 2016. It's actually really heavy. It's not. You don't need this medal. It's. <laughs> This I is, do, this is the do. way the Michelle trash talks, by the way. <laughs> this is a really heavy metal. You don't have this one? <laughs> it was like 84 degrees. It was the day after the trials. Um, gosh, I still ran a pretty good time there, though. Yeah, but it's like, I, I like your itinerary much better. <laughs> but listen, you can do it all. LA is in March, and everything else you're talking about is later in the year. So if the, if the goal to do LA is because George has it and I also want it, I'm like totally, totally get that. And that's super <laughs> legitimate. <laughs> well, I will tell you, George, George reminded me of it this year. He's like, hey, don't forget, here's this LA marathon that I've run that you haven't, and it's in March. But it actually was the same time as Antarctica. And so I couldn't do it this year. And then next year, what even though Boston, I have my, uh, well, yeah. So boss, uh, yeah, I do want, I'll, I plan to do Boston in April. And as long as I'm doing that, I want to do next year. So oh, right on. I'm um, doing that too. Boston's big sir. Yes. That, that's what I'm doing next year. Oh my gosh, George, you're such a copycat. <laughs> <laughs> So I would tell you he's had this race schedule for like the last four years, but the reality is, is that it switches so often that I feel like this is, <laughs> no, this is one, this be copying one you. This is he one that's been on my radar as soon as I said it. So, so, <laughs> this, this is one that's been on my radar for a while, but it's cool that you're going to do it too. So I'm, I'm glad that there'll be a familiar face at both starting lines. So, so yes. Yep. She'll be in first class, George. You'll be like back there in economy. uh, We'll see. We'll see. Um, George knows people. He might make it. Maybe I won't be now. Maybe maybe I was planning to fly economy. Now I know that Crystal's going to be on board. Maybe I'll have to up my travel game as well. Better calling Casey. (laughs) Let me be in first class. It was the only time in my life at a race that I'll be ahead of you. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So. So, so uh, let's uh, let's swing back here to Antarctica. And I think that, that it's worth mentioning that everybody who's listening to this knows how ridiculous it is for me to be holding the Los Angeles Marathon over you <laughs> while we're literally talking about you having just done the Antarctica Marathon. Um, and so otherwise, I wouldn't be giving you a hard time because that would be such a ridiculous, jerky thing for me to do. But um, uh, let's kind of swing back there real quick and 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 ask a couple more quick things. Um, first of all, I had a specific request from one of my training partners this morning to ask you about the penguins. Um, and you mentioned the penguins already, but but uh, what more can you tell us about the penguins? You said they were everywhere and that like <laughs> truly indeed you go to Antarctica and there's penguins there, right? Um, yes. uh, like, did you see different yeah. types and what were they up to? And, and, um, the most common type, we did see a couple different kinds. Um, and I'm not a penguin expert, but chin strap mm-hmm. penguin was the one that we saw most. Um, they friendly, they were friendly. Um, they would waddle up close to us. We, we were not allowed to get close to them, Mm -hmm. but they were allowed to approach you. Mm -hmm. Um, so they just went about their business and kind of ignored us, but, but they would waddle up towards us. Um, they swim in a school and it looks like a school of fish. Um, and they swam so fast in a school. Mm -hmm. It was just, I, I had no idea that that's how they traveled. Um, and then when they're ready to go on land, they pop up and just pop <laughs> onto land. There is no 
it, they just pop. That's it. They pop that up on so the cute. So mm-hmm. yes, they were, that was, they were fantastic. That was a Very highlight. Cool. Very yeah. cool. And, and clearly the race knows that penguins are a big deal there because they put penguins on your shirt. They put penguins on your medals. <laughs> they put penguins on that yeah. number you got, right? Tell yes, us about penguins. the swag, Crystal. Yeah, tell <laughs> us about the swag. swag of the race. So um, no one can see it except you guys. Uh, the Antarctica marathon, it's got three penguins on it. It's got some icebergs in the background. It's mm-hmm. got some blue water, which the water was very blue. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, that, that you, if you wanted any swag, you had to order it ahead of time. And mm-hmm. um, I ordered a beanie. Some people got a jacket or a vest. Um, but you get a t-shirt that <sighs> the sleeves are too short on is, is really <laughs> what it is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but, um, but you know, it's not, there's not a, there's not a race expo that you can go to or right. anything like that. So the swag is a bit limited. Um, but you know, the, the mile marker that we got in my mind was my race swag memorabilia that, Mm -hmm. that we'll remember. Um, can you comment a little bit on, I know in one of the posts you said, like, you've never seen water this blue or like, can you comment a little bit on, cause I know we go to beaches on the Atlantic ocean and in the Gulf and there's a big difference there, but like, how different was this? So I think what was, what made it most different was the ice. Um, because, and I didn't know this, we, we picked up some ice from, from the ocean and brought it back to the ship, but it was so clear different than what regular ice, but they said, because it was so compressed, um, the icebergs were so compressed over time that that's what made it that clear blue color. So, um, if that's even a a word, clear blue, um, but yeah, I, I don't know that. I don't know the, the facts behind it, but it was just, yeah, it looked it, amazing. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. Yeah. My, yeah. my, my dad and my wife have both been to Antarctica and, and my wife, in addition to talking about the penguins, w- will comment on that color of blue. She said, yeah. and, and she said something kind of similar to, to, to what you just said is that it's a unique color of blue that you just don't see anywhere else. It's yes. Antarctica blue. Yeah, right. Antarctica blue. That's what color it is. <laughs> yes. Every now and then you'll see it like in a photograph or on planet Earth or some other nature documentary or something else like that. But she's like, there's not another blue like that. Yes. Um, and yes. and yeah, I can appreciate yeah. that. I think what I want to know is if you can look back and pick out like one defining moment from the trip, was there that or was it just sort of like an all-encompassing, amazing experience? Like, is there one thing that sticks out to you um, that felt like, maybe almost like life-changing or was it kind of just the whole gamut of this is a bucket list and I've checked it off? I think it was just more the whole thing, bucket list. Um, I don't think there was a moment, um, (laughs) probably the one moment that I'm like, oh, poo. Um, I, I ran with my phone so that I could take some pictures, um, but I knew I had to do six loops and I knew the conditions were pretty rough. And then I wasn't going real fast. Um, and so I did the five loops and I said, okay, I'm going to finish five loops. And on the sixth loop, I'm going to take out my, my phone and start taking some pictures. And you forgot. No, I took out my phone and I had been out there five hours. Like I, I don't have a watch, but, and I, in my mind, I didn't know that I had been out there that long. So here I am. I'm like, (gasps) I got to step it up um, because I am not going to finish this race. So I pulled it out, took a couple of quick pictures on the course and then um, finished. But that was my, oh my goodness moment because I had to, I had to pick it up and I was worried about finishing that race. That's, it was, it was a was six hour pursuit. time limit. Six and a half, six okay. and a half hours, six and a half hours. Um, but that was, but you know, other than that being an, oh my goodness moment, uh, I would just say the whole trip was, was, amazing bucket list yeah that's awesome and and last question i have for you for anybody else who's looking to do this because because there might be somebody who's looking to do this what advice would you give them um go into it knowing that it is an expedition and an adventure it's not a vacation 
or a luxury cruise. Um, I've gotten back and, you know, people see the Facebook version posts and they're like, oh, it's penguins and icebergs and it's great. And, <laughs> you know, I want to go do that. And I'm like, well, what you don't see are the 36 hours of me laying on the bed, holding on to the sheets so that I don't slide off the bed um, because the water is so rough. And, you know, it, there's, there's parts of it that are tough. Um, so just know going into it, that it is amazing and you will be forever grateful that you did it, but that it's work. There's some work behind it. So, yeah. And one last thing I have to give a shout out (laughs) to my Thursday girls run (laughs) because I ran with them this week and I told them we were doing this podcast and they said, Oh, give us a shout out. (laughs) I can give them a shout out. I tried to go to that. I could not wake up for that run this week, but it's okay. I'll be there. Very good. Very good. Very good. Very good. Uh, Shout out to them. Indeed. Um, Crystal, we really appreciate you being with us. Thank you. This was so fun. This was fun for us too. Um, uh, And by all means, once you finish up the, uh, the seven continents, uh, why don't you come back and tell us all about that? And then we'll review all over, all over, over all of those. That'd be fun. Perfect. I love it. It's a a date. All right, (laughs) y'all. Thank you. Thanks, Crystal. Have a good weekend. You too. Bye. Thanks again for joining us for another episode of the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pleasant podcast, on Twitter at pleasant podcast, on Instagram at most pleasant exhaustion. We're available on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Be sure to share us with your friends. We're brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance, who you can find at itlcoaching.com. Their Twitter is at ITL Coaching, and their Facebook group is facebook.com slash ITL Coaching and Performance. You can find them on Instagram at ITL Coaching. We're also proud to be sponsored by Elemental Altitude, Atlanta's best and only altitude training facility. You can find them at elementalaltitude.com, on Instagram at Elemental Altitude, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Elemental Altitude. Blue Pineapple Travel can be found at bluepineappletravel.com, on Facebook at facebook.com slash bluepineappletravel, or on Instagram at bluepineappletravel. And finally, High Echelon. You can find High Echelon at highechelonCPA.com. On behalf of Michelle Frank, Patrick Ollinger, and Eric Hall, I'm George Darden. Thanks for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. We'll see you next time.